0: Thank you, Miss Jen. I'm thankful to know that my Savior Cares, Amen. He cares about me. All righty. As I said, we're going to be starting a series con- uh, called The Message. Uh, we'll be going to Matthew chapter number 7 uh, is where we'll be getting started at. And so uh, if the Lord allows for the next several weeks, uh, possibly uh, for the first half of the year, Lord willing, we'll see how He directs, uh, we're going to be looking at the teachings of our Savior during His ministry here on earth. Now, while we will consider are many different instances of his teaching, what our main focus will be, we'll be focusing primarily, as I said a little bit ago, on his parables uh, and on uh, his illustrated teachings. Now the reason I put it that way is because there is some disagreement uh, as to what's a parable and what is not. Uh, uh, There are some uh, who will say that there are almost 200 parables uh, of the Savior in the four Gospels. Others say that there's only 35. And so it's all in how you want to count them and how you want to devise them. Some uh, go strictly by whether or not Jesus said it was a parable. Uh, Others will simply say if it is an earthly story teaching a spiritual meaning, then it classifies as a parable. And so I wanted to just say that we will be looking at the parables and illustrated teachings uh, of our Savior. So however you define them, it will fit the slot. And you won't think that I've drifted off and got into the wrong thing there. So we'll be looking mainly at His parables and practical illustrations of truth that he taught, uh, uh, which defined a large portion of the truth that Christ taught. We will find as we follow the teachings of the Lord Jesus that there are some things that he taught that necessarily weren't taught with a parable, but that much of his ministry he taught with a parables. And the reason he did that is he brought a spiritual truth uh, to a practical level so that you and I could understand and apply the truths uh, of our Savior. I believe there are several reasons why why Christians should apply themselves to studying and understanding the messages taught by our Savior during His time on earth. First of all, as I just mentioned, They're practical. They are very easy to understand. They are practical. They put doctrine into shoe leather, so to speak. Uh, They take those things which oftentimes we struggle with understanding and the the way that the Savior illustrates it puts it into shoe leather. Not only that, uh, they are applicable. Many times we can hear someone give an eloquent oration of a deep doctrinal truth, and we can go away feeling wowed and impressed at the knowledge of the speaker, but we are not challenged to do anything about it ourselves. There is something about the way that the parables and the teachings of Christ are presented that it forces you to ask yourself, have I done anything with this? Have I applied this to my life? So they're practical, they're applicable, they're spiritual. Although he does bring spiritual truth to an earthly level, they are spiritual. And as we read this morning in the passage we read at the beginning of the service, uh, we find that the truths of the parables are clear to those who are filled with the Spirit. But they are obscure to the unbeliever. So they are spiritual lessons to be found. But then we should also study them because they are educational. The parables and teachings of our Savior are educational. How are they educational? Well, they contain the answers to life's questions. They reveal the mysteries of the future. They explain salvation and they exemplify Christian behavior. Because of these reasons and many more, I think uh, that it is vitally important that the Christian understand uh, and apply the truths that are found in the lessons taught by our Savior during His earthly ministry. And the Savior Himself drove this truth home in the passage that we're going to look at today. He drove home the fact that it is vitally important that we take heed to what he has to say. The parable of the wise and foolish builders that we're going to be looking at this morning is found at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. Now the Sermon on the Mount uh, is one of the longest or continuous uh, uh, sermons that we have by our Savior and in it he covers many, many subjects. Many of the subjects he covers again later in individual teachings, but in the Sermon on the Mount he covers many, many things. Uh, The Sermon on the Mount goes from Matthew chapter number 5, it includes chapter number 6, and all of Matthew chapter number 7. Three chapters uh, that include nothing but the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ concerning a great variety. Uh, uh, It depends on how you divide them up, anywhere from 15 to 30 different subjects uh, that he covers uh, in this message of Matthew chapter 5 down through chapter number 7, but at the end of chapter number 7, he concludes the Sermon on the Mount. He gives his conclusion to everything that he has said prior to that. He wraps it up, and in wrapping it up, he drives home the importance of taking heed to what he teaches and applying what he teaches to our life. And so I want to take a few minutes this moment, morning as a, as a way of introducing this series of looking at the parables of the Lord Jesus Christ And I want to drive home the importance of you and I taking the time to understand what the parables mean and how they should apply to our lives. So we're going to read, starting in Matthew, we're actually going to read the first two verses of Matthew chapter number 5. The first two verses of Matthew chapter number 5. The Bible says there in Matthew chapter number 5, the first verse, And seeing the multitudes, he, Jesus, went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto them. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. Now verse number 3 begins what the Lord had to say. And as I said, he takes that thought through all of chapter number 5, which is 48 verses, all of chapter number 6, which is 34 verses, and all of chapter number 7, Uh, through verse number 23. And in verse number 24, he begins uh, his conclusion. He says in verse number 24 of Matthew chapter number 7, therefore, considering everything that I've said to this point, Jesus speaking, he says to the disciple, considering everything I've said to this point, therefore, because of what I've said, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great, was the fall of it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we have, Lord, to come into your house. And Father, I thank you for each one that is gathered here together this morning. And Father, Lord, as we begin to look at your word this morning, Father, I pray that you will take this passage of Scripture and Lord, as I, uh, Lord, an uh, uh, imperfect human being, try to relate to, to your people, Lord, the truth that you spoke here in this passage, Lord, I pray that you will anoint me. I pray to Lord, that you will speak through me. I pray, dear Lord, that you will clear and clarify the things that I say, that, Lord, they might be understood, that they might be comprehended. Uh, uh, Father, Lord, that it will challenge us, uh, Lord, concerning the importance, uh, Lord, of not just hearing uh, what your Word says, but, Lord, applying it to our life and, Lord, honestly changing our life that we might live according to what you would have us to do. Father, I pray. Thank you, dear Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for the privilege that we have. Lord, to be able to together in this place, and Lord, to fellowship with one another, and Lord, to encourage one another, and Lord, I just thank you for the family of God. I pray, dear Lord, that you will bless now uh, during this service, and Father, will praise you in Jesus' name, amen, and amen. In verse number 24, we see that at the conclusion of his sermon, Jesus said these words, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine... And doeth them. And then in verse number 26, he made a contrast. He said, And whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not. Uh, these two statements clearly reveal that the content uh, of this illustration uh, will reveal the value uh, of all that Jesus has had to say. Uh, he said, Therefore, we're going to make a contrast. Uh, we are going to present something to you. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, uh, Contrasted with uh, He that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not. We're going to make a contrast, uh, and in making this contrast, uh, we are going to reveal to you the value of what I have said uh, and how it will benefit you if you follow them uh, and how it will affect you if you deny them. Now, uh, we all know the story of the wise man uh, and the foolish man, uh, and there is much preaching that can be done on that parable in and of itself. Uh, One built upon a rock uh, and his house stood. Uh, One built upon a sand uh, and his house fell. We memorize the song. When we're in Sunday school, the wise man built his house upon the rock. Uh, We sing the song. We, We are very familiar with the story. But this morning, instead of looking at the physical story, I want to draw our attention to the application that Jesus is making with this story. And I want us to learn and listen and learn to the importance of hearing, heeding, and applying the truth of the Word of God. The Bible says in the book of James, But be ye doers of the Word, not hearers only. Why? Because if you're only a hearer and not a doer, the Bible says you're deceiving your own self. Jesus said, I have spoken, you have heard, but how you respond is what's going to make a difference. And so there are several things that I want to point out this morning concerning this application. The first thing that I want to point out to you this morning is the availability of the instruction. The availability of the instruction. I want to point out that this instruction was given to both builders. This instruction was given to both builders. Now the builders in this story represent those who listened and those who, did not. And so whenever we look at the passage of Scripture from Matthew 5 to Matthew 7 we realize that the people that the two builders are representing both received the instruction. The instruction was given to both parties. Both parties heard what was said. It says in Matthew 7 verse number 24 Therefore whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man. In verse number 26 and everyone that heareth these things of mine and doeth them not uh, shall be likened uh, unto a foolish man. Uh, so here in these two verses we have created two categories. Uh, we see that the information uh, was given to all. Uh, both parties received the instruction uh, but their response, uh, by their response they categorized uh, themselves. Uh, the first category uh, is listed uh, as wise men uh, and the second category uh, is likened uh, unto a foolish man. We see that the availability of the instruction has categorized these two groups of people. I want to tell you that we see that the instruction was given to both builders. And in the same manner, the knowledge of God has been given to all of mankind. Then we find in Psalm 19 verse number 1 that the knowledge of God is observable to all. All, everyone can observe and understand the knowledge of God. The Bible says in Psalm 19:1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. The creation of our Savior declares that there is a God and we have spent much time in past sermons talking about the witness of the creation and how obvious it is that a creator must have been involved for us to have what we have. The knowledge of God is observable to each and every man and woman, boy and girl that has ever been born, that has ever lived. The knowledge of God is observable to everyone. Not only is it observable to all, but we find in Proverbs chapter number 1 verse 20 down through verse number 24 as well as many other passages of Scripture that not only is it observable by all, But the knowledge of God is obtainable by all. Not only can all be made aware of the fact that there is a God, all can obtain this knowledge for themselves. You say, how is that so? Well, Proverbs chapter number 1, verse number 20 says, Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you, because I have called and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. The Bible says that wisdom, and this is speaking of the wisdom of God, that wisdom crieth without. That wisdom is in the chief place. That wisdom is in the doorway. That wisdom is available. That wisdom is obtainable. But the reason that people are not being affected by this availability of wisdom is because it says there in Proverbs that they turn from her. They do not heed her. They reject her and therefore they go through life not having what they could have had. But the information, the instruction, is available to all. And the illustration that Christ gave, he made it red, he made it very clear that the instruction was given to both parties. And whenever we look at all of mankind, we see that the instruction has been given to all. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Psalm fourteen, in verse number one, that the existence of God is so undeniable to those in this physical world that only a fool could say there is no God. The existence and reality of God is so evident in this world in which we live that the Bible says only a fool could say that there is no God. Only someone who is willingly ignorant, only someone who has decided to deny the proof that is laid out before them, only someone who has determined within their mind that they will not accept what is presented before them, only a fool has the ability to say that there is no God because the world that we live in is filled with, with evidence of the proof of a living God. The information is available to both parties. Jesus said you've categorized yourself. I'll liken those that do what I say to a wise man. I'll liken those who don't do what I say to a foolish man. And only a fool will say that there's no God. The information is available to all. But the second thing I want you to notice about this illustration is the similarities of the builders. The similarities of the builders. Oftentimes, we justify our actions. We justify our responses. We justify how we treat the things that we hear about the Word of God, we justify it with using statements such as, well, I'm not like them, or they have a different set of circumstances, or I wasn't brought up like that. Many, many different things we will say, and we will say these things in an effort to justify our lack of receiving the instructions of God. But I want to point out to you that here in this illustration that Christ gives us to us, uh, there are some similarities uh, of the builders. Now, we've already seen that they both heard the instruction, but the similarities go further than the fact that they both uh, heard the instruction. We see in verse number 24 and in verse number 26, we've looked at both verses a couple of times already, but in both of those verses we see that both men needed to build. Both men were needing to build. Both men were preparing to build a house. Both men needed to raise this structure. Both men needed to build. I believe that by seeing that both men needed to build that Christ is illustrating the requirements of life. It doesn't matter if I'm religious or not, I need a house. It doesn't matter uh, if I've been born again uh, or if I've never heard of the Savior. I need a dry place to sleep. Uh, There are some requirements uh, of life uh, that come to all of mankind uh, regardless of their status. Uh, I believe that this seeing that both men need to build illustrates the requirements of life that falls on all men. We could could think of a home, uh, a family, uh, providing for your family, uh, uh, providing safety and security, uh, being someone uh, that is able to take care uh, of the needs uh, of having a job, uh, of earning money, uh, of being able to do the things that is required uh, to just do daily life. It doesn't matter if you've been born again or not. These requirements uh, fall on all people. All people are faced with certain things that we must do just simply to live. Every day. Both of these men needed to build. They were similar in that regard. We also see in verse 25 and verse number 27, the alternate verses, that both faced storms. Now we see in verse 24 and 26 that both needed to build representative of the requirements of life. But now we see in verse 25 and verse 27 that both faced storms. I believe this is representative of the reality of life. You know what? Just as it doesn't matter your religious status, there are some requirements of life that we all must meet. Uh, In the same regard, regardless of your religious status, uh, every person will face storms. It's the reality of life. Hardships come To all people, regardless of your position, regardless of your title, regardless of your status, regardless of how much money you have, regardless of how hard a life you live or how easy of a life you live. Hardships come to every person. It doesn't matter if you've never gone to church, or if you're faithful to church, hardships will come to every person. Now, if we could branch off just a little bit right here, the Bible does clearly teach us that those who pursue a life of sin and ungodliness will experience far more hardship in this physical life than those that are faithful to Christ. But the Bible nowhere teaches us that coming to Jesus means uh, I'll never have any hardships. Both needed a home. Both faced storms. The third thing I want you to notice this morning is the response to the instruction. Everyone received the instruction. Everyone had the same reason to need the instruction. But we notice that something changes in this third point. The first two points are similar. Both heard, both needed it. The third point, something changes in the response to the instruction. Do you realize that all instruction that you and I receive, we are responsible for that instruction? if you're going down the road, especially in these conditions we've been having lately, and the sign says, 30 mile an hour turn ahead, and you go into that turn at 45 or 55 or however brave you are, and you lose control of your automobile, and you roll it down over the bank, and the officer says I'm going to have to write you a ticket for reckless driving, and you say, Based on what? He says based on the fact that there was instruction on the highway and you are responsible for the instruction that you receive. We are responsible for all instruction that we receive. Whether we heed it uh, or reject it, uh, we are held responsible for all uh, instruction uh, that we hear. Many times we like to think uh, that if somebody tells us something that we don't want to hear or somebody tells us something uh, that we don't want to apply, that we can just disregard it and it won't affect us. No, when you determine to disregard it, uh, you are going to be held responsible for the outcome because you received the instruction. We are held responsible for all instruction that we receive. Once we are instructed, we must decide, am I going to receive it or am I going to reject it? We are held responsible for how we respond to the instruction we receive. Now, sometimes we are wise to reject the instruction we receive. Sometimes we are wise to receive instruction. But in all instances, we are responsible for the outcome. A few weeks ago, a gentleman showed up here on the church property. And if you know this gentleman, and I mean no disrespect a gentleman showed up here on the property. It was after dark. He was just sitting right out here in the lawn and Pastor Kent let his dog out and of course the dog was barking at him so Pastor Kent went up to talk to him and he wouldn't talk to Pastor Kent at all. Uh, so Pastor Kent, I was in the area. He gave me a call. I came over and said, uh, you know, just you know, see what this guy's doing. So I began trying to talk to the guy and and he wouldn't tell me who he was. He wouldn't tell me where he came from. He wouldn't tell me why he was here. He wouldn't give me any personal information. Most generally, I'm more than happy to help folks out and, you know, be a help to people in need, but this guy would not give me any information whatsoever. I told him, I said, if you just tell me your name... Where are, you, where are you from, why you're here, you know, we'll be happy to help you out. I, I can get you a motel room. We'll help you out somehow, whatever we can do. And, and he, would just, he was just saying the same phrases over and over and not giving me any information. And I said to the gentleman, I said, look, I don't want to be ugly, but if you can't tell me who you are and why you're here, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Well, he didn't want to leave. He said he wasn't going to leave, that he was staying here. And I said, you leave me no choice. I'm going to have to call the law. He said, you will be held responsible for your actions. I said, I know, and I'm more than willing to be held responsible for calling the law because you won't talk to me. He gave me instruction. He told me I would be held responsible, and I said, I'm more than happy to be held responsible, okay? I'm not having to change my mind for your instruction. So all instruction, and I just to finish the story so you're not left wondering, we did call the law. The law did come. He wouldn't talk to the law either, and we did have to ask the gentleman to leave, and... I've not seen him since, so I really don't know, and and really I was grieved that we had to do that. I even offered to get him a motel room. If if you just tell me your name, but uh, you know sometimes folks are difficult to deal with. But he told me, he said, you're going to be held responsible for that, and I said, I'm okay with that. But you know what? The Word of God tells us many things. that says you're going to be held responsible for that. And we say, maybe if I just disregard it, God won't notice. No, it doesn't work that way. You will be held responsible for that. We see here that there's a response to the instruction. Here in this story, we see two responses. The first person applied the instruction. The first person applied the instruction. When we look at the story, we see that it says... I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. He applied the instruction. You know, I look at this and I think that he that applied the instruction uh, was receptive uh, and and we're going to branch away from the main sermon here just a little bit uh, to drive this point home, but he was receptive and he was receptive because he found uh, the truth that was presented, uh, he found it favorable, he found it applicable, he found it something relatable uh, and therefore he was willing to accept it uh, and he was willing to act upon it. Now the reason I say we're going to drift away is because I believe uh, that many times uh, folks would be a little more receptive uh, if we would devote a little more time uh, into preparing the hearts uh, of our children uh, to receive uh, the things of God. If we were a little more labored, a little harder uh, at making sure that the ground was kept soft. Later on, at some point, we will be looking at the parable of the sower. And in the parable of the sower, we find four types of ground. Uh, we find the hard, rocky Ground. We find the the ground that is covered up with with, um, uh, thorns and briars. We find the, the ground that is scorched. And then we find the good ground, the soft ground, the receptive ground. And I believe sometimes, and we see it more and more and more with each passing generation, which makes me think that my theory is correct. I think that we allow society to harden the hearts of our children through television, through video games, uh, uh, through uh, all types of entertainment that we allowed our children to take in, uh, through secular education. Uh, We allow uh, society to harden uh, the hearts uh, of our children. And then whenever the teachings uh, of the Word of God is presented to them, uh, they do not receive it uh, because they do not find it favorable. Uh, They do not find it applicable. Uh, They do not find it something they can live by because it Goes contrary uh, to everything else they have been receiving. It goes contrary uh, to what they're learning at the secular school system. Uh, it goes contrary uh, to the principles and philosophy that's being taught uh, on the TV shows they watch. Uh, it goes contrary uh, to the actions that they participate in uh, in the video games. Uh, it goes, This uh, goes contrary to everything you have allowed the world to pump into them. Uh, and they become an adult, uh, and you say, Why won't you live by the Bible? And they say, they may not voice it to you, but they say, because it goes against everything you've told me my entire life. The first guy received the instruction. But you don't receive instruction unless you believe it's going to make a difference in you. He received the instruction. He found it favorable. He said, this makes sense. I believe I will act upon what I've been told. The first received and applied the instruction, but the second denied the instruction. Now, we're not told why the second builder denied the instruction. And of course, this is a made-up parable, so he wasn't a true individual in this story, although many, many, many people have reenacted this story in real life. We're not told why the second guy denied the instruction. But I'll just say this. It doesn't matter why you deny it. The outcome will always be the same. You may deny the instruction because you've been raised in a secular society and you don't think it applies. The outcome will be the same. You may deny the instruction because you was brought up in church and you was made to obey the rules and you want to rebel against it. You may deny the instruction because a Christian, you found out they were a hypocrite. There's plenty of reasons why you might want to deny what the Bible has to say. But regardless of your reason for denying the instruction, the outcome is always the same. God doesn't say, oh yeah, that's a good reason for not listening to me. Never, never, never. He says, I gave you the instruction, live by it and you'll be blessed. Deny it and you'll face destruction. We see the response, one applied, but one denied. And then last of all, in conclusion, I want us to look at the outcome of the builders. Now you know, you know the story. You know how this turns out. But let's take a moment and look at it. In verse number 25, we find a firm foundation. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. There's the storm. But catch these next four words. And it fell not. And then the verse goes on to say, for it was found. Here we see a firm foundation. He that listened, he that heeded. We see that in the time of storm, he was able to provide strength, stability, security. In the time of difficulty, he was able to stand strong. In the time of the onslaught of the things of this world, he was able to resist everything the world was throwing at him. He had a firm foundation. He was built upon a rock. Do you know it's much more difficult to, to build on a rock? I'm speaking in, in natural, physical, actual building terms. It's much more difficult to build on a rock than it is to build on the sand. You say, how do you know that's true? Well, you go rock climbing and you won't see any people standing sitting around building rock castles. But you go to the beach and everybody's building a sand castle. It's a lot more difficult to build on a rock. If you buy a piece of land and you want to build a home on it and there's a rock on that piece of land, you have to have special equipment. Uh, you have to be able to level this rock. Uh, sometimes it will require jackhammer. Sometimes it will require blasting and, and controlled dynamite in order to level the rock so that you're able to build on it. If you go to a sandy area, why? You can level it out with a rake. It's a lot more difficult to build on a rock. It takes time. It takes diligence. It takes persistence. It takes self-discipline. Speaking in a spiritual sense of ourself now, it takes a lot of dedication for me to establish my spiritual life on the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when the storm comes, but when the storm comes, it fails planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit and his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. But the, I forget the rest of the chapter. Go read it. It's about another half a verse there. I want to say that we see two responses. One response was a firm foundation. But in verse number 27, we see the second outcome, and that is a failing foundation. In verse 27, it says, And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the faller." Here in this outcome, we see certain destruction. Now if you remember back a couple points we were talking about how they were similar in that both had requirements uh, and both had to face reality. Here in this situation we see uh, that certain destruction came uh, first of all uh, to his ability to fulfill uh, his requirement. Uh, He had something he needed to do. He had something he needed to provide. Uh, He needed to provide shelter and safety and security. He needed to provide a home. Uh, He needed to Provide a place that he could raise a family. This was his requirement. And because he did not build upon the instruction of the Word of God, we see that a certain destruction came to his ability to fulfill his requirements. Not only that, we see that certain destruction came to his ability to face his reality. We see that both had requirements and both had reality. Both had things they had to do. Both had storms they were going to face. The first guy was able to meet his requirements and the first guy was also able to face the storm. The second guy, though, who built on the sand, representative of the fact that he disregarded the Word of God, this man was not able to fulfill his requirement. It failed. He wasn't able to face reality. He crumbled when the storm came. Not only could he not fulfill his requirement or face his reality, but certain destruction also came to the future of his aspirations. You see, when these two men went to build their homes, neither planned to build a home that would fall. Both intended to build a home that would last as long as they needed it. One listened to the instruction and built upon a rock. The other denied the instruction and built upon the sand, but neither intended for their house to fall. The second guy just did not think it was necessary to build on a rock in order for his house to stand but he still had dreams of it standing forever. You see, every person, every person, every person who marries a spouse dreams of forever. Every every couple or well, when they hand that engagement ring they say yes and they hug each other and it's an ecstatic moment in their life at that moment they're not planning for this to end in a year or two or six months no they're dreaming of forever every person every every couple who builds a house dreams of a home. They don't build that house thinking that in a couple years we're going to wind up in court fighting over who gets to own this thing. No. No, every couple who builds a house is dreaming of a home. They build that house and in their mind they're seeing Christmases together. They're seeing, they're seeing grandchildren around their feet. They're seeing happy people eating fudge and chocolate chip cookies. They are dreaming of a home. Every couple that builds a house is dreaming of a home. Every, every person that finds a spouse is dreaming of forever. Every home that is blessed with children has visions of togetherness. Oh, think what we can do together. Think of the vacations we can take. Think of the ball games we can go to. Think of going to church together. Every family that has children, they think of togetherness. Every single one. But yet, so many don't make it. And people devote their lives to trying to figure out Why? Why does it not work? Why does it crumble? Why does it fall apart when the storms came? Jesus made it very clear. He said, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. But every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not. You see, there's more required than just hearing because they both heard. He that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not. I will liken him unto a foolish man who bid his house upon the sand. Jesus drove an important truth. Simple story, four verses, easy to memorize and quote. We all know it, but he drove a truth home. He said, are you building on the rock? Are you hearers of the word, but not doers of the word? This morning... I want to ask you this question. Are you hearing and doing the Word of God? Or are you picking and choosing and wondering why things aren't working the way they should? I'm going to ask each of you to stand there where you're at. Miss Debbie's going to come to the piano. Over the next several weeks, we'll be looking at a multitude of clear teachings of the Savior Many different subjects will be covered, but they'll all be simple, practical, and applicable teachings of the Savior. But this parable that we looked at this morning reveals the importance of heeding and applying these truths. So my question this morning is twofold. How have you been doing up to this point? I know we'll be looking at a lot of truths over the next several weeks But everybody in here already knows quite a bit. So my question to you is, how have you been doing up to this point? Are there truths of the Word of God that you are rejecting? Is there instruction in the Word of God that you are denying? Are there truths in the Word of God that you have decided don't apply to you? How have you been doing? Are you being likened unto a man that built his house on the rock, or are you being likened unto a man that built his house on the sand at this point in your life? How are you doing up to now? And then my second question is will you purpose in your heart that over the next several weeks or even months as we look at the teachings of the Savior, will you purpose in your heart that you are going to listen and apply what we learn from the pages of the Word of God? As Miss Debbie plays, if the Lord spoke to your heart, you come. Thank you for being in the Lord's house this morning. Thank you for coming and being a part of the service. Hope you enjoyed the message on the wise man build built his house upon a rock. Hope it blessed you and spoke to your heart this morning. Don't forget to grab some of these on your way out. Pass these out and tell folks they scan this. Listen to our preacher. They might like it. You never know. They might come join us for a service. But pass these out. Grab some there at every table. Pass those out. Try it out on your smartphone. Give it, Click it and see if it works. If it doesn't work, be sure to tell us. We want to make sure that we have that taken care of. But as far as we know, it should work for everyone. So grab some of those. And do your best to be back tonight. Uh, I'll be preaching tonight. Uh, I know that don't seem to happen often that I get to preach on a Sunday night. But uh, I'll be preaching tonight. And we're going to be looking at this thought of being a biblical church member. Being a biblical church member. If you are a church member, I encourage you, listen to this message. If you can't be here tonight for whatever reason, try to listen to it on the live stream or catch it on the podcast uh, later this week. Being a biblical church member, there's a lot of misconceptions about what it means to be a member of of the family of God. and So we'll be looking at that this evening, and I know it'll be a blessing and an encouragement to you. I'm going to ask uh, Brother Harry, if he would, to dismiss us from this morning's service. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for gathering us together here this morning and to the surrounding, Lord, to hear your word preached. Father, we, uh, we thank you for the message that we've forth. Lord, we just ask that we might apply it in our lives, Lord, that we might... Uh, Hear the instruction and obey the instruction. Be doers of the world, not just hearers. Again, Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for this church. Thank you for salvation Jesus Christ. I pray in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.